0: It's pretty common to have this dream of leaving your small town moving to LA developing a following and getting signed Let's hear from an artist today that did just that Welcome to episode 8 of behind the band a podcast where we are all about helping you grow your music career by talking with awesome Artists and people from the industry My name is David Ryan Olson and I run Evergreen Records where we are all about helping artists like you grow. So excited you've decided to join me today. Before we jump in, just wanted to say if you are releasing music in the future, we'd love to help you out and make this the best release of your life. We've put together a half hour workshop called Rock the Release. It's all about helping you plan and promote your next release so you have maximum success. We're going to teach you a proven strategy for getting on blogs and playlists and shared by influencers so that you can get more streams and keep building a strong career. So just go to evergreenrecords.com workshop to sign up for Rock the Release. Today's guest It's a group of guys that grew up in the small town of Hood River, which is pretty close to where I live, and they decided we want to do music as a career, and they decided for them the best move was to pick up and go to LA, and it seems to work out for them. You may have heard of them. They're the band Floor, and they are pretty cool. Go check them out if you haven't listened to them. So I am excited to jump in and share their story about how they grew their music career and got signed. All right, I'm here with Zach and Dylan from the band Floor. How are you guys doing? Doing good. How's it going, David? I'm doing good. How have you guys been holding up with everything?
1: Uh, you know, just uh, taking every day as it comes, as best you can. It starts to feel a little repetitive. It starts to feel a little mind-numbing, but uh, it's got to be present, even if you're just sitting in your bed all day. That's, that's all we could do, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, let's just jump in. Tell us uh, your story. So we
1: all grew up in a little, little town called Hood River.
0: Oregon small towns represent.
1: Exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a good old adventure town. So it's like 6,000 people during the winter and then it explodes to about, I think it doubles actually in size, just tourists and everything.
0: It's, it, it's not a huge music town. It's like a, oh, no, it's no. a resort town where people from Portland go just on the weekend.
1: Yeah, and it's, well, while it's not a music town, there is a huge appreciation for music there. Like that, that can't be overstated enough. Mm-hmm. I think the reason that each of us felt confident going into music was because of the the appreciation that Hojibas showed for it. Um, but yes, there was no industry whatsoever for it. And
2: yeah, that's only because the lack of. Population.
1: Yeah. That's exactly. really all it is.
2: But we uh, we
1: went to elementary school together, though we didn't really know each other at that point. I met you my sophomore year of yeah. high school, really? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, no, we, well, we knew each other before that, but we had, didn't actually interact until sophomore year. Yeah. Was it choir?
1: Uh, yeah, we were in choir together. In
2: choir class. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> we, were, we were both actually, at the time, we were both in separate rock bands, too. Kind of like, we were the only two bands in the high school. Mm-hmm. And Zach was, like, by far the most talented one. But me and McKinley, our guitarist now, were in another band. We just wanted to be his band.
1: And I, band. <laughs> and I wanted to be his band because they were playing shows. They were going into Portland. My band was like, oh, I guess we're doing the talent show again this year. That's pretty cool. Um, and I was like, I want so much more than that. I, I want to be going into Portland. I want to be playing shows. I want to be selling out shows. I want to be, like... I want to take this seriously. Um, and so to see them taking it seriously kind of lit a fire under my ass and I was like, I need to, I need to team up with them.
2: By seriously, he means playing to like four or five people at 11 o'clock at Satyricon. Yep. <laughs> Still better than what I was doing.
1: <laughs> we kind of linked up, I guess, senior year for me.
2: You and McKinley like kind of met up and played some music together and then he was like, hey, Zach came over and played music with me. I was like, are you kidding me? Zach? Grace? We can have him in our band now?
1: <laughs> yeah. I had to leave my little rock band and I don't know if they've ever forgiven me, but, um, but it's okay. Life goes on. Oh, it was maybe like two years after that, that we were just playing, playing as many shows as we can, touring mostly the West Coast um, yeah. before we decided it's time to, if we want to take this seriously, get... To a music city. And we didn't choose Portland because it didn't seem like the music we were making at the time connected there at all. Because we weren't really, our our fan base wasn't really growing there. And people had just told us, LA is the place to be. You're going to network there. You're going to meet bands that want to do it like you do. And you're going to buddy up with them. And you're going to start tours that eat shit, but at least you're touring. So we moved down probably two years after high school. And that's when things started like really clicking for the band. We started meeting the right people. We met people that wanted to manage us and knew how to take what we were doing and known and make it seen. Because um, that's what we're just not very good at like marketing ourselves. Uh, or at that stage, we weren't really good at saying, like, here's what's special about us and why you need to be listening to us. Um, yeah.
2: we, we only knew how. Well, we thought we knew how to write songs and perform. Nothing else we knew how to do, like just making connections and working with the right people was so, so important. And we just didn't get any of that in Oregon. And not that you can't, but we've definitely felt isolated. And then once we started making trips down to Los Angeles, we just, hard to explain, but you just start making connections right off the bat um, because everyone's so hungry to work down here. And then that just kind of just like grows exponentially your, your network of people. And so we started seeing that just with the, the short trips that we had. And we're like, well, I guess we should just start coming. We should move down here permanently so that we could uh, expand, like really, really grow as a band. That was
1: pretty much the most important move we made as a band, um, recognizing that what we had, where we had it, wasn't where it needed to be. And so making that move and taking it seriously—that was the—that was the key. I'm not sure our parents really understood how serious we were about this. Like we were just working as baristas in our hometown, mm-hmm. making music, going out and playing shows, and and they see that, and they're like, "If you had a real job, you'd be putting a bit more effort into it." You know, like if you had a real job, you'd be you'd be living that. Um, and so we just took that that advice
0: and and took it to heart. I'd like to zoom in to just a couple of things within that journey. Tell us more about that time when you're in Hood River, you're baristas, you're making music. What was it like in that transitionary period between you're just kind of doing music locally, doing whatever to like, what, what was really the catalyst that made you want to go from we hang out, we play music to like, this is a thing we want to do.
2: Our parents really pushed us to succeed. <laughs> Me and my dad's relationship now is like the best ever like we, we love each other and you know we've always loved each other but he definitely got on me about like what I was doing with my life and um I don't I don't hold anything against him for doing that because I'm really really glad he pushed me but he would kind of be upset at the fact that I was just you know I would go to work then you do the barista thing come back home and just like make music in my bedroom and that wasn't getting me anywhere like I was just I was stuck in a cycle. And he eventually was like, Hey, you gotta start doing something with this or you're out. Like you you gotta go like live somewhere else. And I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) I guess I have to. (laughs) I just realized like, you know, this this place, Hood River, is just there's not enough going on here for me to do what I need to do and you know, I gotta impress my dad. I I started talking to the guys about moving to LA and and they shortly got comfortable with the idea.
1: One of the other important factors, I think. We were touring at the time, little tours. We got on this one tour with a band that just kind of showed us how it could be done. And that was really important for us to see. Um, It was an example that we could like tangibly uh, interact with, um, which made it seem more possible and more real.
0: I want to really dive into what that eye-opening experience was like because anyone who has decided to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to take this seriously, we're going to do X, Y, and Z on the business side of things has had one of those moments.
1: I think it was different for each of us because this band did it so well on so many different levels. For me personally, I saw how they invested in their fans. They created exactly what they wanted that little family to be. They knew how to reach them. They knew how to create for them. They knew how to make special moments for them, which I think is like the most important part of music. I think it's like finding and identifying those people that really care about what you're doing. And so in this case, they booked a whole tour for like uh, like an acoustic United States tour. They stripped down everything. Um, and they capped the rooms off at like 100 to 150 people every night. And it sold out. And people loved it because it was such a tailored experience for them. Like you can't apply that to every single tour. Like, but it gave us an idea at least of knowing who we are trying to reach and knowing how important it is to reach them. So for me, I was like, I know what songs I want to be writing. I know the people that I want to be reaching. Um, And I know that in order to do this, we need to start going on as many tours as we can. And we need to start linking up with as many bands as we can, playing little rooms, but like making a impact in those little rooms to let people know that we are a a band that's like really about it. Um, And we, we pride ourselves on our live show, I think is the best part (laughs) about floor. Um, I think that the, the shows that we put on and the, and the feelings that we create in the rooms together. That's what it's all about. People come to shows for different reasons. People come to shows because they're lonely and they need that little outlet. Or they come to shows because they're looking to have a really good time and get totally wasted. And I, wanna, I want to meet every single one of those people because I want to go to shows and, and be wasted and have a good time with everybody. Um, and I want to feel connected. I don't want to feel alone. So for Dylan... I think he realized, I'll speak for you a little bit. I think he realized the value of really, really hard work.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That tour was very, very important for a couple different reasons. One being what Zach said. Um, It really, you know, let us learn what we wanted to be as musicians and what we wanted the fans to experience in our live show. But also on that tour, that's when I found my roommate in Los Angeles. Um, so I didn't end up living with the guys. I ended up living in a separate house and, uh, the singer on that tour, his name is Sam Miller. He was looking for a place at the same time as me when I when we were on that tour and we we're just like, Hey, let's just get a house together. I did not know how impactful that guy would be in my life. First of all, you, you need to know that he's an actual genius. Um, and he just knows how to do everything. He's literally he's a novelist now, and like he's he's like a gonna be a movie director. And you know he he was a lead singer of a band. He just can do anything. After that tour with him, and when we were living together, he decided that he wanted to manage us as a band. And he sort of took us to the next level. And he had so much knowledge about first of all everything, but also about just the music industry. He really, really kind of pulled us into the music industry and all of his connections. And he's the guy that got us connected with Ryan Sirocco, right? Ryan Sirocco is our booking agent who he's kind of the one that got us signed. So there was, there was just like a chain of people that started with that tour yeah. and that it's that, very, very important. That really <laughs>
1: highlights like another, I think maybe the most important thing for bands to get a team behind you yeah. that believes in what you're doing and knows how to, just knows what they're doing enough to push you in their direction. Um, because I, I don't know a thing about business or whatever, I've already highlighted that, but I do know how to write songs. And so if I can get my songs into Dylan's hands, he can produce them. And if Dylan can get our songs into, at, at the time it was Sam Miller's hands, then he can get it in front of the right people. Uh, and it just happened it just so happened that Ryan Sirocco was in front of the right person um, that eventually got us signed. I, I can't stress the importance of a team behind you enough. Um, I think that's really what what knocks down the barriers that any band could be facing.
2: Yeah, and uh, I should note that the, the reason they all got behind us was because of how kind of self-sustained we were as far as you know, making the music and being able to just like put it out on our own and we had the live show. They saw how good we were at just doing it yourself and they, they didn't have to focus at all on the, the creativity. They, they heard the songs, they liked the songs and they were able to just take that and run with it. They didn't have to work on anything else. I think that was a really, really big factor for us getting those people.
1: Yeah, I hate to talk about what we do as like a product but and when you dumb it down to like what it is that's they saw that the product was was there and was ready to be shipped you know <laughs> yeah. um so like that's an important uh important piece in getting people to to care about what you're doing
0: you say that that tour was it was a pretty instrumental point how did you as just guys locally in in hood river even go about getting on a tour in the first place or starting a tour or getting gigs outside of your hometown. Cause I've talked to so many people that are just like, e- even in like a bigger city that say, dude, I don't know how to get shows. <laughs> like <laughs> how, how does one even go about planning a tour? Even if we have to plan everything ourselves, how do I find venues? There's a, there's a the, million questions that tour specifically. Um,
2: so that band is called paradise fears. That band,
0: he actually messaged us
2: on MySpace cause his, because Paradise Fears was coming to Portland and they
0: were looking for local openers. Okay, so he just found like a random local band on MySpace.
2: Well, he, 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 saw, that, he saw that we had like a, a moderate following in Portland, right? And we had some like music videos out that looked semi-professional. So he's like, hey, these guys are pretty good. That show actually never ended up happening. (laughs)
1: Well, he wanted to do it at Dog River Coffee, isn't that right? He wanted to do it in Hood River. And we were like, there's just no way that anyone's going to show up to this show. Yeah, yeah, it was like...
2: It was a long way to come and we're like, we couldn't promise them like a, a great show, especially if it was an acoustic one. But then also I think one of their family members had health issues and it just never happened. Fast forward four years later after we had a message, like we, we maintained contact. And we like followed each other on social media and eventually they were confident enough to do a, like a much bigger headline acoustic tour. Um, they reached out to us again Saw that we had a little bit more of a following than we did before. I was like, hey, do you guys just want to open this whole tour? We're like, yeah, sounds awesome. Um, Based on a connection that we made in 2010, fast forward three years later, we get it. Well, how much were you gigging at the time? Like, how many shows a month? As many as we could. I remember we were always, always just on mikethasherpresents.com, or at least I was. Um, And I would every single day go through the schedule, look about, one and a half to two months out and be like, Hey, is there an opener for this act? Is there an opener for this one? And I would throw (laughs) like 50 emails out there and I would like look for the managers of each band and I would ask anyone that was involved. And eventually I would get one email back saying like, Hey, you can open this one. It's like one of five slot. That's kind of just what we looked for. And that was just the goal was just play shows. It wasn't, to get on any particular show it was just to get booked at a venue and play in front of whoever is there
1: eventually we kind of showed that we were gaining like we were getting tickets Mm -hmm. uh, and we were bringing people to shows and so we got more comfortable like letting us on to these like even bigger shows um and we got lucky with a couple just great slots that really turned around some fans for us and made it really easy to, to play shows in Portland. So I think it ended up I don't know, there were times where we were playing like three shows a month in Portland, right? That's that sounds about right. That was a good month. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> but but it was it was a slow build and a lot of a lot of hard work to try and retain those fans at the beginning. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, it sounds like if you're sending out 50 emails, what was it a, a week a month or whatever it was and just kind of
2: Yeah. I mean, honest, I don't know the number, but like It was, it was a lot more than anyone should send. (laughs) It was a lot of like searching for booking agents and managers and, you know, emails that just like, you couldn't just look up. And I was on my computer so much, just trying to find an in with any, any possible band.
0: Let's jump forward a little bit. You have decided to make the move to LA. Walk us through what that first few months of landing in LA full-time was like.
1: I think we kind of slacked off for a few months. <laughs> I think we had a little bit of the shock of, wow, we aren't in this small little town anymore. We're in a big old city. It's intimidating. It was really intimidating at first. So we were just hanging out, you know? <laughs> we were uh, partying together.
2: We were lucky. We had a couple really, really good friends that already lived down here. But also it made it so that we all just like hung out at the same house every day and didn't really do anything else. <laughs> but you know, it was I think it was good cuz it kind of just made us get comfortable with the place and eventually we were able to expand out of our little area.
1: Well, yeah, because like the reality is is that the only thing that ended up changing throughout any of this is that we started branching out and meeting new people and and that little party that was maybe at our house with just some of us slowly like became bigger and we started just networking more and meeting more people. Um, and that like That's what LA is all about. That is the reason you would come down here, um, just to find like-minded people who are as interested and excited about the things that you're interested and excited in, and bouncing those ideas off and creating that network and creating that family that really wants to see everyone succeed. Um, because the more people you have in your corner, and the more people like, whose corner you're in yourself you're just creating this like environment of creativity and just empowerment. And that's where a lot of really good things can happen. That's where the real beauty of music can, can well, the beauty of anything, anyone that's <laughs> good, like any creative outlet does better when it's being empowered and, and championed. Um, and so those little, like, that's, that's really what the first couple months were. It was this building of, like, a family. It, we, we were just trying to get the right people around us, get the right team around us. We had people doing our art, people uh, doing our videos. We had just a whole lot of creativity and songs that were, that were being built up during this period got sent along to Dylan. He was like, wow, this is is absolutely the direction we should be going as a band. And then he just really dove into producing out what would be the first floor song, a song called Heart. And we sent that around to all our people. And they were like, yes, this is this is what we've been working towards. Like this is all these months of, of preparation, all these months of networking, all these months of just letting you all be creative together has really paid off because Heart came along, Hold On came along. And those were, those were kind of the songs that, and Back Again, I think was actually one of the first ones too. And those were the songs that just really got people to care about Floor. We, we started putting those online. First with SoundCloud, that's kind of, I think that's where we put all our music up first.
2: Yeah, we had an EP on SoundCloud first.
1: Um, and people just started following it and we would reach out to every blog that we could because it was the time when blogs had a lot of say. Oh yeah,
2: Hype hype Machine was huge for us. (laughs) Yep. Um, You know, it sounds like you know what we're talking about.
1: (laughs) Yep. So Dylan got right back to his email. He got his fingers strengthened again after reaching out to all the booking agents. The first time around he was prepared, he was ready. He was ready to type all of the new emails to all the blogs saying, hey, this is our music. We think it's special. I think you guys will think it's special too. That was when people really started reaching out to us mm-hmm. and they were just interested in managing us, interested in whatever. Um, there wasn't really too much label interest. A couple A&Rs were like, We had label. Up? We
2: had label meetings, but nothing too serious. Mm-hmm.
1: And then finally, Fueled by Ramen reached out to us. And that was, as I said, because our booking agent finally had an EP to give to the, the label head. We had a meeting with them. But I went into that meeting really not expecting anything to come of it, um, just because you get used to letdowns in the band. It's kind of like one of the one of the first things you have to get comfortable with, like things not really going your way, and champion and and pushing through all that. So I went in just no questions, no cares and they leave the meeting wanting to sign us. And I'm like, I wasn't prepared for that because I didn't have any questions <laughs> to ask them. I didn't know what to be looking for. Luckily, our managers were there, so they were a little bit more prepared. But I was just like, <laughs> oh, okay, so that's what, that's what this is about. We're actually doing this thing. Pretty much directly after that, we were on, a, on the Halsey Badlands tour. So we got to get out to New York um, and meet with them. and. They were all just so cool. Everyone at the label was just a family. And that was important to us. Cause like I said, from the beginning, when we were in LA, we were just creating that family and creating that, that network and that team that wanted the best for us. And so I got that same feeling when we met their team, it felt like they were for us. Um, and like they, they wanted to let us do our thing. They wanted to be pretty hands-off. They, they liked what we were doing and the fact that we could do it all ourselves. And so they didn't really interfere with the creative process, which was really important for me.
2: I want to point out that that wasn't all in two months. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's That's about two whole years in LA right there. Yeah, yeah.
0: You say that they were willing to sign you because they saw something in you already. I think there's a lot of misconceptions that a label is just going to find a random artist that they decide to sign and then develop you. When what they're really looking for is, okay, is there someone that already has some stuff going on that is going to be a safe investment for us?
1: That's entirely the label mindset. Um, so get any sort of uh, preconceptions you have about, hey, they're just going to make this happen for us out of your head because it's just not, just not how it's going to be. Um, not at all. It's especially they, nowadays. They want to, they want to take what you have and what you've kind of proven you can do and they want to amplify that but that shouldn't be discouraging you know that should let you know that you need to get your music to a place that's that's working you know i'm of the mindset that if you are making something worthwhile and you are doing it for the right reasons the right things will happen um that's pretty up in the air what that could mean for anyone but for me that just means when i create i want to make sure i'm creating something that has value to people. And that can be in any way. Like some people just want to dance and have a good time. So if you're making a dance track, you're making something valuable. If people need to be emo for a moment and you're making a track that is sad and connects to the human experience, then it's valuable.
2: It really just depends how many hours you've put into it. You 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 eventually learn what people respond to. You know, when you're first starting off in music, you'll write a whole bunch of songs and You'll show your friends and you know, your friends will be nice to you. They'll be, they'll be like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. But like, once you're making music for long enough and you start to get your friends to start asking you to hear your music, like, hey, can you, can you show me that song that you're working on? That's when you know that you're doing something right. And I think we kind of got to that point with people. Like, People were asking us like what we were up to rather than us pushing music on other people. It takes a while to get to that point, but if you stick the course long enough, You'll eventually get there.
1: Yeah, you get comfortable in what in your in your art. You get comfortable with how you want to write and the songs that you want to the songs that you want to write. And you're just going to get better. Like you, you. I don't think you can hit a creative wall. Like there's obviously writer's block and all those things. And the, and we go through periods of less creativity. But I, the more that you pour into it, the better you're going to get. Just as is with everything, you know? Um, It's just another muscle that needs to be flexed. And it's hard as a band because it can get pretty discouraging um, because you tend to put a lot of your worth into the music that you're making and you put a lot of your identity into that. And so there's a whole other piece of it that's kind of mentally and emotionally exhausting. But the, the more you can push through that, and the more people around you have to help you push through those periods, the more you're going to blossom as, a, as, a, as creators. It's tough because it, it's unlike any other thing that you put practice into, I think, because it is so emotionally
0: driven. What changed when you got signed onto a label? I would say the
2: biggest thing that changed for us was the resources that a label has, which you're not necessarily going to see right away, but once you start reaching for them with, you know, with the new connections that you have that part becomes so much easier um like say there's a there's a band that you know that we really want to go tour with we don't have to reach out to them directly we can be like hey we'd love to tour with this band and the fact that we're already on a label and they're able to make you know deals happen really easily that's just not something you can get as an independent artist the process changed
1: a little bit too um because there are now timelines and guidelines that you have to follow where beforehand it was it was much more free form and hey we want to release music on a Thursday okay we'll do it and it will be two days from now that just that doesn't happen now <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore everything is more thought out everything has a plan it took that kind of sporadic nature of everything and and made it more organized and um, methodical.
0: Can I ask about what like the first few months of being on the label actually looked like? Like did they put you through boot camp of any sort or like what was it just like the next day was pretty much the same except for it's just like cool we're on a label now.
1: Yeah I mean I have that feeling that that experience is different for everybody. Um, for our band we are very much a laid back kind of go with the flow band so everything kind of just stayed the same because um, we were we were working and. We like to work, and they like it when we work and produce Mm -hmm. more songs for them. So that's what we did. The first year was very hard. Um, We went into it with the mindset of, they're going to make things happen for us. That didn't happen.
2: Um, Lesson learned.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we spent a year, I don't want to say we wasted that year because nothing's a waste, but that year did not go how we planned the year to go. Um, And it wasn't until right at the end of the year that we um and said we've been sitting around <laughs> like you're not letting us release music you're not letting us like tour so we just made a song that was like why aren't we doing anything <laughs> and we did it with our friend who also at the same time was like why am i not doing anything and then we we did what we did the first time we said we're going to build a tour ourselves i mean we had our booking agent involved this time so it was a little bit more legit but we we just made it happen. Uh, we were tired of waiting for the right opportunity, and we were like, we've wasted a year. We can't waste any more time. Time is so important. So we did a tour. We did a West Coast tour, and it kicked ass. <laughs> and by kicked ass, I mean I mean, 60 people were showing up to every show, but that felt incredible. Um, that was uh, our no, first Portland sellout. Yeah, I guess we had, like, we had a couple that really blew out, too. I think LA was good. LA was pretty
2: good, but like... The fact that we booked it ourselves, went up to Portland, and you know, we it was a 200 cap venue, so like it wasn't huge, but it was still a big deal for us. Yeah,
1: and that that was fun too because it was really our first chance to come back home and play a hometown show and show all our friends and family like what we'd been working on and what we'd been building towards. It was a very important reminder to us that if you want good things to come your way, you have to work for it. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't until after we kind of proved that we're worth some tickets. And after a song started, it got placed in some Spotify things and did pretty decent. I think we made it on the viral chart on the U S viral chart with it, which was kind of like, what's this, What? Yeah. It was very confusing. Um, that's, a, that's
2: a hard thing to get now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Spotify a lot bigger now a than lot it was bigger, <laughs> a lot bigger.
1: Um, but yeah, that felt good. And, uh, and it got us some more tours, which really just kept the ball rolling for us. Um, yeah, it was, it was
2: really a catalyst. And just the fact that we booked our own tour made the, every, like the whole label team feel like they needed to market it and start doing stuff. And that just kind of kickstarted everything else. Um, but yeah, before that, we were just sitting around. It's, it's crazy that all we had to do was just like do this one thing ourselves. And then everything else just started happening. And it's kind of like, and well, until now, it hasn't really stopped since that point.
0: So, like, what's the breakdown of roles within your band for the like the behind the scenes stuff?
2: We all have our jobs. Definitely part of why it works so well. I think. Um, I mean, Zach Zach's the primary songwriter. The demo songs basically come from me. And I'm I'm producer guy. I don't I don't typically write the lyrics or anything, but um, he sends me his ideas. I'm like, that's cool, or that's. Whatever. <laughs> and you don't do that the second one too much. I don't do Your that. I usually I usually <laughs> like what he sends me. And then uh then I, I sort of turn it into a, a floor song. Um because what he sends me is like a lot of beeps and boops. It's, a, it's like a lot of weird sounds. Yeah. Um <laughs> but there's always like a really good melody in there somewhere. And I'm like, yeah. oh shit, okay, I can I can hear that as a band. And then I sort of just take it and, and build it out. And then um you know, once I have a rough idea, I get, I get the other guys involved to track guitars and, and drums. Uh, I would say McKinley is very much, uh, you know, he's our guitarist, but also very, very much logistics guy. He kind of acted as tour manager before we even had a tour manager. It's just like, he assumes that kind of role, almost kind of like a leader in a way, as far as like the touring thing goes, um, and like scheduling and, he was getting he, us connected with people. too. Exactly.
1: He's instrumental. And as maybe the only extrovert of the group uh, in making sure. Definitely that- <laughs> is the only extrovert. <laughs> there has to be one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's instrumental. And in, like, he's the reason we would get a lot of the connections that we have because he would spend the right amount of time with the right people. Um, he just, it's crazy that like some people recharge by being around people and and that sort of thing, because it just doesn't make any sense in my mind. It's such a draining, it's it's a draining (laughs) activity um, for myself and I have to snap out of it. Yeah, he's uh, the reason that we get a lot of the business stuff done because he's very, he he has the mind for that. And he has the, it's like, it's a very important thing for him. Whereas for me, it's like, ah, things will get figured out but they only get figured out because people like him are out there working to make it happen.
2: And then, um, Kyle, at least like, this is how I see Kyle. He just brings the energy to our show. It's kind of, it's an unstoppable energy. And a lot of times people will uh, come up to us after the shows and be like, not even say like, you guys are amazing, but like your drummer is amazing. Um, (laughs) And it's, you know, that, and also, just like being such a, a backbone to the band too, um, he's always been so grounded. And just like, I think a really important thing for, for drummers to do nowadays is just—I don't want to say the words "go with the flow," but he can just like do whatever we need him to do. And he is just—he's just there for us whenever we need him.
1: Yeah, I think a backbone is a really, a really good way of describing his role in the band. Um, he is the most important part of the live show. He is. He's pretty good at being emotionally aware too. Um, so he can kind of be that that little bit of a break when you're on the road, you know? Like a, <laughs> that little bit of, oh, I can talk to him when I'm, you know, feeling
2: overwhelmed. Um, the, three, the three guys up front have egos.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, the drummer has less of an ego. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. The backbone's the right way to say it.
0: What does your kind of day-to-day or week by week breakdown of like how you guys approach running the thing? Like, what, what does that look like? Is there a schedule? Is there a routine?
1: There are obviously different periods um, to this, but on a full scale creative period. And that will usually go for like a month at a time as we're trying to create an album. I don't so much have a schedule for creating the songs as much as Dylan probably has a schedule for fleshing them out and making them, Work, But I, I really only try to operate when I'm feeling creative. Um, and I have to, it's not just like a, I'm going to slack off until I feel creative. It's I have to create those opportunities for creativity. I get most creative when I have a story kind of influencing my life. Um, and so I look for those opportunities to be creative um, or encourage that creativity Sometimes I'll write like four songs in a day and sometimes it will stretch out over a period of two weeks that I won't get that one single song done. But yeah, you just can't really let that influence how how you feel about the art. And so I, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent or a big uh, advocate. advocate. Yeah, a big advocate for allowing space for that
2: creativity to grow. And yeah, we do that as a band too. We, we definitely let Zach have his time Over two or three months, if he's in the mindset of creating, we'll get nine or ten ideas, and then we'll uh, we'll have we'll have those ideas kind of go through them in the studio, decide which ones we're excited about, and then we'll have like a week or two of of producing them out, and typically we have them finished at that point, and then and then we wait again and take another two months and write some more, and then we'll come back and we're, we're we're pretty relaxed about it until until we have the songs like in the studio, then we're like grinding, but like. It's it's very relaxed other than that.
1: Yeah. And really all we get to do right now is be creative since everything else has come to a standstill. But I guess I have maybe a year and a half of of full on creative time, it sounds like right about now. <laughs> That's what it sounds uh, like. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I might I might get a couple albums out.
0: Is that kind of what you've decided to, to focus your efforts on during quarantine? Is just recording stuff and putting it out, or what what's what's I, been yeah. simmering?
1: I've been trying to be be creative um every day i don't know what kind of release we can do right now um because i don't want to overwhelm the world (laughs) with like releases i have a feeling we are going to be entering a couple months here where artists have taken this first month to really create some stuff and then we're probably just going to get inundated with lots of new stuff um so i want to be i want to be mindful and like in particular about how we release through this quarantine. But I do think it's really important to keep releasing through all of this. Um, Cause I think now more than ever, people are probably pretty dependent on what some of their artists are bringing to them. Like a lot of people can feel pretty closed off. So you want to be reminded of that community and that connection.
2: We did uh, we got really lucky though when we ended a tour like a full us tour right before the quarantine started. So we didn't feel a crazy pressure to to do things right away, like live streams and whatnot. Yeah, because um, we had just reached most of our audience, but now quite a bit of time has passed, and I think it's it's about time to start thinking about doing things like that.
1: Yeah, so I just want we want to start engaging in like really mindful ways of doing it, um, and like in beneficial ways, because there was a period of time where it was just every day you were seeing someone live, and it's like, man, I don't. I don't want to add to that noise right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are a lot more, like, there's, there's just too much, there's too much. I think as it slows down, the goal will be to find concrete and uh, scheduled ways to make sure that people know that we're still invested in them and what they bring to us as fans. And uh, and we just want to be able to, like, we, don't, we still want to release things. Like, it's, that's the most fun part of this whole thing, you know, so... Hopefully we, yeah. uh, hopefully we get the opportunity to keep that, keep that creativity rolling through.
0: So if you had to give any advice to a young artist or a band that's just starting out, maybe they've been playing around hometown a little bit, um, maybe have a couple of songs up on like Bandcamp or Spotify or whatever, what would be some of your, your first advice right off the bat for helping them get their sea lakes?
2: Uh, my thing is make sure your bandmates are your best friends. That's a good one.
1: And mine kind of goes in hand in hand with that, with lose the ego. What does that mean? Like it, it means release that desire to really manipulate and control everything to go your way. Remember, especially if you're in a band, remember that you are a part of a team. Remember that that team succeeding requires everyone being equal in it. Everyone needs to feel like they are equally a part of it and equally important. Cause that's the only place you're going to create a, a lasting environment where everyone feels excited about what they're doing. Um, and the moment that that excitement for what you're doing is lost, it's kind of game over, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's the point where you're not going to be creating wonderful things. You're not going to feel excited about doing all these things. You're not going to be excited about spending your lives with these people mm-hmm. because that's, you become just so connected in everything. Um, you need to feel comfortable and everyone needs to feel comfortable there. If you can lose that ego, then you can be open to criticism too, which is a very important thing as a starting band. You can be open to people saying, you know, that song isn't quite accomplishing what you think it's accomplishing. You know, it's, it's important. It's good that you are, are creating, but here are the areas where you can do better or you can better accomplish what you are trying to accomplish. But that all requires kind of shedding that ego, like losing that, that kind of all important, self important um, mindset that can come along with creating because you kind of get into this world of everything's about me and I have something important to say and everyone needs to listen. Um, and that's just <laughs> not, that's just not what it's about. <laughs> um, but as a, young, as a young person creating, that's kind of, that's just where your head's at. It's a, uh, it's a part of the,
2: The process. (laughs) Yeah, that kind of brings me to another point is like, let yourselves have fights in the band. Like when we were starting out, you know, we would butt heads all the time. I remember like walking out of practices extremely upset, thinking like, oh, I'm never going to be in this band again. Make sure you like push through those moments because those are real turning points usually um, if you come back from them. Yeah,
1: they're all emotions that need to be felt. You know, like we you can't suppress that sort of thing.
2: Because when, when you go through those moments with uh, your bandmates, um, they, they learn a lot about you and, and you learn a lot about them and you learn how to avoid conflict um, later down the road. Like, I can't remember the last time this band really thought about something.
1: Well, because we've all become better listeners. Right? Yeah. Like, we're all, we're all at a point where we want the best for each and every one of us. Um, and we know that each person deals with things in a certain way, in a yeah. different way. Um, and it can be really hard to accept that a lot of times. You know, it's, it really is just like being in a relationship with three other people. And so you just got to learn to juggle all of those other feelings that, that, aren't your, that aren't yourself. And when you're on the road for two weeks and you feel alone, sometimes it can only you feel like you have to look out for only yourself because no one else is doing it you know no one (laughs) else is like are you doing okay are you you hanging in there uh you just got to remember that everyone's feeling that way and that you have to be there for each other
0: well guys thanks so much for hanging out with me and uh, providing a little insight into your story so super appreciate it
1: yeah of course thanks for uh, having us really enjoyed getting the time to talk to you
0: so that's it for my conversation today with floor Just real quick before we go, a couple things. First, if you are working on new music and you want to know how to promote that better so you get your best results out of your music as possible, please check out our free workshop, Rock the Release. It's going to teach you everything you need to know about promoting, distributing, getting on playlists, blogs. Just head over to evergreenrecords.com slash workshop to get signed up for that also if you are listening on apple podcasts would you do me a quick favor and just leave a quick five-star review you don't need to write anything just hit the five stars really helps us rank higher when people are searching for new podcasts but for now that's it and we will see you next time